What's up, folks? Jake here with Launch Chat. Ep Wait, this isn't Jake. Who, who is the? Maybe we should back up a little bit. Don't turn this off. This is Launch Chat, but we're doing something a little bit different for episode 100. My name's Adam Clark. I'm the founder of Podcast Royale, the company that produces Launch Chat for Jake and the team at Launchpeer. And we thought for episode 100, maybe we should turn the tables a little bit and interview Jake and find out a little bit more about him and how he started Launchpeer and how he worked through uh, some of the issues that a lot of you have been sending in questions about since we launched this show. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk to Jake and ask him some of these questions and hear some of these answers and they're great answers. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Here's my conversation with Jake. Hope you enjoy it. So, dude, episode 100. Dude, I know. It's crazy. It feels like we just started doing this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite feel that way for me because I do all the editing. Yeah, probably but... <laughs> not for you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but 100 episodes, I mean, most people, I mean, you, you know how businesses are. What's the thing? Like most businesses don't make it past like year what before they fail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the same way with podcasts. It's like, I don't know why it's number seven, but it seems like episode seven is a thing like a lot of podcasts just don't make it past episode seven yeah that's that's really weird i i remember reading about that uh before like episode seven to ten is like when people stop doing it and i'm like by episode seven to ten how do you even know if it's working <laughs> it's exactly like, you yeah. you expect to get like a million downloads by episode seven like that just doesn't happen so i, I mean there's, there's podcasts that i listen to that have like 300 episodes and they're just barely starting to get people listening to it <laughs> i know yeah and i think that's part of it though is people think podcasting is you know it's like the new cool thing and all you got to do is just the release one and there are just millions of people waiting to listen and uh it's right. definitely not that but but still 100 episodes is a pretty big deal and this is a daily show that you've been doing but you had done podcasting before this right yeah i mean and i th we were in that trap of episode 7 <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> i think we got to like episode 8 or 9 and we were like this isn't working uh we got to stop doing this and, and i mean back then it was cuz i had a really short term vision of what a podcast was supposed to be like a lot of podcasters have like i thought well, i'm at episode 7 or 8 now like why don't i have a bunch of people like, why don't I have a 10,000 downloads yet? Yeah. You know, like what the hell's going on? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to waste my time on something if it's not going to be working. It's like that you, you're not going to get results with any marketing tactic if you do it for like a few weeks and just assume that everything's going to kick off. Like there's, there's some marketing tactics that work that way, but podcasting, SEO, content marketing, like those aren't those kind of channels. You know, if you want immediate yeah. results like that, go run PPC ads or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, totally. Well, the whole point of this was it's episode 100 and we just thought maybe do something a little bit different. You've answered 99 questions now. Yeah. And so maybe this time, uh, well, I was going to say I'll ask you the questions, but that's what everyone does is ask you the questions for all the other episodes. <laughs> but even though you talk a lot about Launchpeer and what you do, there hasn't been an opportunity really for anything more in depth about you know who you are and what you do and just thought it'd be cool to do that for an episode so the podcast is relatively new but launch has been around 
for a while. So what is Launchpeer? What do you guys do? And, and, and how did you decide to start something that was going to help other people start their things? Yeah, great, great question. It's been 99 episodes and no one's asked that yet. So, <laughs> no. uh, that's why I'm a professional. <laughs> no. Exactly. Uh, that's why you do what you do. Uh, so, I mean, I started Launchpeer four years ago and it was really just, I was really naive at the time. And I think every entrepreneur needs a little uh, a little bit of that in order to kind of get off the ground, you know, uh, yeah. especially if it's their first big startup. Like I had started side projects before launch peer, like little things, just kind of getting my feet wet in entrepreneurship. But launch peer was like the thing I was going to go all into. I like quit my job. My wife quit her job. No real savings in our account, but we got a customer and we thought, man, if we can get one customer, we're going to get hundreds of customers. It's going to be super easy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I mean, the whole goal of starting Launchpeer was I saw this big problem and like, I think most good ideas are born out of a problem that you see in just your everyday life because those are the problems that you know the most about. So I was working at a really, really big software development company. I mean, we were servicing customers like Coca-Cola and Department of Veteran Affairs and these really big organizations. And we were really, really good at it. Yeah. But the problem was those organizations set up processes and systems and pricing to work with big companies. They don't set up processes and systems and pricing to work with startups because and like I got told by a million people when I started the company, hey, startups have no money. There's no way you can ever work with startups <laughs> and make any money. And I still hear that from some people like, oh, if you're going to start a company, startups shouldn't be your ideal customer. And right. I understand for sure where they're coming from. I, like, I, I get it. As a whole, startups definitely have less money than major uh, corporations or even small and mid-sized businesses. But um, that's where the, the being naive came into it. Uh, and so um, Launchpeer at its core... Uh, is a growth hacking, software development, and design studio specifically for startups. Like all we work with the startups. Now, sure, we get like the uh, the corporation or the government or um, small to mid-sized business who sneaks in and wants to work with us. But the reason they want to work with us is still because we work with startups. Most of the time when corporations like Verizon, we've worked with them, uh, City of Charleston, which is the local government here uh, where we're headquartered, when they come to us, they're coming to us because we're different, because we work with startups and they're building something new. They're trying to launch a new initiative or something like that. And so the thing that sets us apart and lets us work with so many startups around the world is the thing that makes us appealing to some of those other people who maybe wouldn't have reached out to us if we were just like every other agency. Um, and so really at our core, Launchpeer is, is a design development and growth hacking studio for startups. And that's not what we always were. And I've talked about this on a few episodes before where in the first year and a half, two years, like things were not going well. And that's because we lost sight of the customer we were going after. Mm. I started focusing on building a business um, that I wanted to build and not the business that my customers wanted me to build. And so I started focusing on, okay, I want to make a lot of money. I want to be successful. I want a business to be successful. So I'm going to make decisions based on that and not make decisions based on what my customers want. And so we started doing development for healthcare companies and we started doing development for, uh, you know, these small businesses and restaurant sites and all of these things. Like we just were like, let's just try anything and see if it works. Because I had a lot of friends who own companies like Launchpeer agencies who do development, who were just doing anything for anyone who had money and they looked yeah. successful, 
So I thought, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I am insane for trying to work with startups. Maybe I should try <laughs> to just do anything for anyone. And that didn't work. Uh, that didn't work well for us, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward a year and a half, two years, missing mortgage payments, missing electric bill. Like we had our electricity shut off like three times. Ugh, so uh, stressful. I realized like, I mean, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. And my wife was great during the whole thing, but you, you have a family too. So you understand how that, that dynamic is, right? Where yeah. you're trying so hard to support you and your family. And I think any startup founder can probably has a moment like this where you know that you can go get a good paying job working for someone else and support you and the people that are important in your life. And you have to really sit down and make a decision like, is this going to work? And if you think it's going to work, you have to do whatever it takes to make it work. Um, and so that's what we did. Like a year yeah. and a half, two years in, I decided, okay, I'm either going to go back to work and get a good paying job, or I'm going to just and or I'm going to throw everything out and build a business I was naive enough to start in the beginning. <laughs> and I'm going to get back to that point and try it again and see if it works based on all the things I've learned over the two years. And, um, yeah. you know, we rebranded, refocused on startups only with startups, started thinking through the point of view of if I was an entrepreneur, what kind of agency would I want? And that's when we just took off. I mean, we went from uh, four of us, me, my wife, and a couple of people to 12 people within six months, which is a lot of growth, uh, for such a small company. And, uh, yeah. you know, things were just, I mean, things just took off since then. And, and now we're about 20 people down here in Charleston, very consistent, uh, business. And, and right now we're planning on, okay, well, where's the next stage? And, and every startup hits these, um, I don't want to call them plateaus because that, yeah. I feel like saying it's a plateau is kind of, um, it, it makes it sound worse than it actually is. Um, I think plateaus are actually good. I mean, plateaus uh, w for a startup means that you're not on that cycle of up and down and up and down and up and down. When you're on a plateau, I think that's a good thing because it gives you time to start thinking, okay, well, where do I want the business to go now? And so right now what we've been doing and the reason we came about with the uh, decided to do the podcast is because we started thinking, well, what do we need to do to reach that next level? And for us, it was connecting more with the people who are our, our, our ideal customer. And, yeah. and the best way to do that, we thought, was to do a podcast like Launch Chat. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said about 50 things in there. And um, uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the ones that I was going to ask you is like when you're talking about that, where you're, you're, you know, you could go and, and get a job uh, and make maybe even more money than you're making now and work less hours and all that. But at the, and also be miserable. I mean, that's that's kind of the yeah, that's that's the, the part of it is it's like, yeah, I could go do that. But I know three months from now, I'm going to be so miserable. So it, it's almost like deciding which kind of stress do you want to deal with? You know, the, the stress of, of trying to create your own thing or the stress of feeling trapped and, uh, and not all careers are that way, I guess. But for some reason, for a lot of us, it's like, you know, working a job just feels like a dead end. Even if you're making a ton of money, you know, it just still feels like it's not going anywhere. Right. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true. And I think with most entrepreneurs that we work with, I mean, and we've worked with a ton here, Typically, they get this nagging feeling that they just can't get over. And I had the same right. thing. Like I worked at, I was 26 when I started the company um, and I had a really, really good job by any reasonable measure. Like I was almost making six figures. I was up for a promotion. Like I 
I was making like four times as much a year than my family had anyone in my family had ever made. Like I yeah. grew up homeless. Um, when they found out how much I was making, they, I mean, they just couldn't believe it. You yeah. know, I mean, it was crazy. Um, but I wasn't happy. Like I, I was just going to work every day, really miserable, even though the place that I was working was a, a really good place to work. I had won like tons of awards for like yeah. one of the best places to work in the state. And like you could basically make your own hours and you know, we, everyone brought their dogs to work all the time and you can come to work in board shorts and flip flops and <laughs> super cool. Right. Like one of those trendy yeah. uh, places to work. But the problem was I just going to work every day, not happy. And I had to think to myself, like why I should be happy. Anyone else in this position yeah. would be happy. What is it that's making me feel this way? And once I sat down and started thinking about it, I realized it was because I felt like I didn't have as much control over my life and where I wanted it to go as I would if I started my own thing. And I was always yeah. the kind of guy, whether I was in uh, going to Sunday school as a kid or uh, you know going to college and talking to teachers or being in the army who always questioned authority. Like yeah. all the time, <laughs> my, I, my teachers hated me for it. Uh, when I was in the <laughs> army, uh, it was, uh, I would joke with people all the time because I made sure to ace everything in the army so I can be kind of a smart ass, yeah. you know? Um, and now that I have kids, uh, who are in school now, um, it's interesting to see that the kids that are the popular kids are the ones who are typically smart asses or really sarcastic and kind of push the teachers a little bit, but who are doing good enough in school to where it's not a really a big deal. Yeah. The problem kids are the kids who do that, like push the teacher and are kind of smart asses, but they, they get terrible grades. Yeah. Like those are the problem kids. The kids who are like the teacher's pet or whatever are kind of the smart ass kids who uh, are getting good enough grades. So the teacher really can't say too much about them being smart asses about it. And that's kind yeah. of, that was me my whole life uh, in every job, every educational institution I went to. Um, and I feel like every entrepreneur just gets this feeling at some point where it's just, it becomes too much. And mm -hmm. for me, when I was 26, that's when it was just too much. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I decided to do what I think a lot of people don't do. I think you, you've you worked at other places before you started your company too, and probably sat next to people who complained about their job all the time, who are yeah. just constantly unhappy with everything. And I didn't want to be that person who just worked at these places for 20 or 30 years, complained about it all the time, came into work hitting my job, when Sunday night came was like, oh my God, I don't want to go to work on Monday morning yeah. and just dreaded Sundays because of that feeling that you get. Yeah. Um, or you waited Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you waited for Friday to come because you, you wanted to get out of there so bad. And I didn't yeah. want that to be me. And I felt like I needed to do something. I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of fall in that category. That, that whole Sunday night dread thing. It's like, it's a real thing. And it's, it's amazing when you don't, have that. And, you know, I, I've kind of similar story, similar type of person to you, I think. But uh, yeah, like you, you spend all this all this time doing your own thing and you forget that a lot of people do, you know, every weekend. It's like it's like crap. You know, I got to I've got to get up and go to work tomorrow. And and then it's such a terrible feeling. And I think it is all about control. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, I like I don't know what company it was for you working for. Like for me, I, I worked at Apple and it's like well, for like a tech nerd. I mean, what could be better you would think than Apple? Yeah. And it's like, 
It's like, and, and it's like they're talking about their freaking snacks, you know, free snacks. And I'm like, really? Like, that's what you're trying to entice me with is, <laughs> is snacks, free snacks, you know, and a, po- <laughs> yeah. and a pool table, you know, it's like, I want control over my life, you know? And, and for, I don't know, for me, the thing is like a lot of people are like, well, it's just a paycheck. You get that steady paycheck. And when you're self-employed or you start a business, whatever, it, for, it's tough. And for me, it was the opposite. Like when I was working with, for a company, I would have that feeling of no matter how much I work this month and no matter how much I do, no matter what I do, that number will not change. And when I'm working for myself, the number could double in a month, depending on how much effort I put into it. Right. And it was so it didn't feel like a didn't feel like a a positive, you know, that quote steady paycheck. It felt like, you know, uh, um, it felt like a prison, you know, like I can't that number doesn't ever change. You know, it goes up, what, two and a half percent a year. And Right. Yeah, just that's what I meant by the dead end. And so you end up deciding which path you're going to go. But then once you start your own thing, a lot of times it is harder than you expected. And there are a whole different set of struggles. And you mentioned one of them that I think is really common. And that's uh, you start out doing one thing, thinking you're going to do one thing. And it, it turns out that that's not exactly what it is or that's not what is working. And so when you mentioned like early on, like the first two years were super hard and you think it was because you lost sight of who your customer was and what what you were creating wasn't what your customers wanted like what was that like what were you what was your vision and how was that different than what you were thinking your customers wanted yeah so my vision at 26 when i started the company was to build an agency that only works with startups. So the problem wasn't that idea because that's that's that idea is what Launchpeer is today and obviously it's working. The problem was I was doing it in name only. Like mm. I I had the same services that every other agency had. I had the same processes that every other agency had. Not because I was trying to do that because but because one that's the only thing I knew. So I was trying to build an agency like all the other agencies I'd worked at before. Um, yeah. And then also because I hadn't gotten enough validation yet. Like I hadn't talked to enough people who would be my ideal customers. And and this sounds so typical of entrepreneurs when they start out, right? Like the big <laughs> mistake everyone says is like, oh, you got to go talk to your customers. And I thought that was such yeah. BS. Uh, like go talk to my customers. They don't know what they want. Like I'll build something right. and I'll tell them what they want, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. that's just not re- reality. Like you have to go yeah. talk to people and start thinking through, okay, if I was in at the very least, you have to think, okay, if I was in their shoes, what would I want the business to be like? And stop thinking about it through the, the point of view of, well, I can't do it like that because that's just not how a company that does X, Y, and Z operates. Like for us, a right. big, big move was productizing our business and putting our pricing on our website. So, so when we first started Launchpeer, like the new launch period, like a year and a half or two years in when we rebranded and everything, we decided, okay, branding's a typical thing that startups need. They, they need a logo, they need a website, they need uh, like a landing page. So let's have like this branding package for startups that's, you know, I think we were pricing it really low. It was like $3,000. So $3,000, we put the pricing on our website, said exactly what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. Well, that was a very hard thing to do because agencies just aren't supposed to put their pricing on their website. You know, like you're just not supposed to do that. They always call it this term called value-based pricing, which means if you look it up, you'll, uh, you know this, but people listening to this, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. Basically you price your services based on 
how much your customer needs it. So if Mark Zuckerberg came to you and said, I need you to build X, Y, and Z product, you would charge him a million dollars to build it. But if Bob from down the street who got money from his uncle comes to you and says, I need you to build exactly the same thing, you charge him one-tenth of the price, even though (laughs) it has nothing to do with how much work it's actually going to take to build that thing. You're pricing it based on how much that person needs or wants it or can afford it really. Right. Um, And so you weren't supposed to do that. Well, we decided to do it because I finally sat down and said, I don't care what people are telling me I'm supposed to or not supposed to do. If I'm an entrepreneur and I am strapped for cash and funds, I don't want to waste my time going back and forth with some sales guy at some agency only to be told that there's no way I'd ever be able to afford this. And that is frustrating. And so we decided, okay, if that's the attitude my customer is going to have, then let's put our pricing on our website and see what happens. And sure, there might be competitors who've copied us. And and there has been competitors who've copied us before. I'm sure you've seen this in the businesses you've built too, where everybody tries to pop up some podcasting service every few weeks, right? Um, Yeah. But at the end of the day, like what separates us from those people is they're copying, they're copying us and we're listening to our customers. So like yeah. we're front we're front of the line and we're the ones making these decisions and these calls and as long as we keep staying in the front of that line and continue to listen to our customers then we're still going to stay one step ahead of all those competitors. Um but yeah. yeah, at the end of the day like listening to our customers is what has separated us from like where we were 2 years ago and that's why our our services have changed over the couple the last couple of years our pricing has changed over the last couple of years. Uh, every time we change our pricing, every time we change our services now, it has nothing to do with some crazy idea I have. Um, and even if I do have a crazy idea, the first thing I do is I go ask our customers if it's a good idea. Um, just like the podcast, yeah. I asked our customers, hey, what kind of podcast show, if we started one, would you want to listen to? Uh, and like the overwhelming majority of people said, you know, I would. it would be really cool to be able to get questions answered. Like, yeah because most of the startup podcasts out there are 30 to 30 minute to 60 minute episodes interviewing some really successful founder who just like figured it out one day, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) content marketing grew our company and they talk in really vague terms about like what exactly. And I know that because I still listen to those podcasts because that's all there really is out there. And it's like at the end of the episode, you've listened to it for 60 minutes and you realize like, I didn't learn anything anything about how to actually do that for my company. (laughs) It's like so frustrating to me. Uh, And so daily Q and a show is like, Oh, that's perfect. Plus it it solved our other goal of, I want to connect with our audience more and what better way to connect with an audience than to literally answer their specific questions every single day. And I'm really surprised at how many questions we've got. I mean, this is episode hundred now. That means we've had 99 questions that people have, uh, have sent into us. I was a little worried when I started, I was like, man, are we gonna be able to keep up with the number of questions? And, um, I, I don't think there's been any question that has been even close to the same as any other question. At the very least, it's been such a huge difference in the situations or circumstances that the person's in that the answer is so much different than any of the other ones that we gave previously, which I think is super cool. No, it, it definitely is. And it's, I think it's, it's a testament to how well this works that uh, you continue to get great 
questions and not just like, you know, sometimes when like your your mom or your aunt emails in a question because you need something desperately, <laughs> yeah. you know, but these and are, that has happened before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, at, well, and I had a, a podcasting related Q&A show for a while. And yeah, so I'm I may or may not be speaking from personal experience, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm really curious, though, when you're talking about listening to your customers, I, I, I feel like this is such a critical issue. What was the turning point? You know, you mentioned like doing things differently, like putting pricing on your website, productizing your services, doing things different than a typical agency might do. But I, I don't know if you can distill it, but the act of listening to your customers, like what did you find out slash implement that turned it around for you into something that became successful and not the super stressful thing that you were wondering if it's going to work or not? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, that's a topic I really am glad we're going to cover because I think when people hear the term, you have to talk to your customers, um, they're, they're thinking through it in a way that is a little overwhelming. Yeah. Like a lot of people, when they think you got to talk to customers, it means, oh, I need to schedule an interview with like 20 or 30 people and like sit down and like hear what they have to say or have a phone call with them or like have them write me this long thing about what services they want me to offer and stuff like that. That's not the only way to listen to your customers. That's great if you can do that. But if you're like me, I don't have a huge network of just people that want to sit down and talk about my crazy ideas for yeah. an hour, you know, <laughs> even if I buy them coffee, you yeah. know, uh, I had to buy them like a lot more than that <laughs> yeah. to get them to sit down with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the time, what I was thinking about when I was thinking through listening to my customers, it was, okay, in, let me try this out and have my customers tell me whether or not they want it by seeing if they'll buy it. Mm. So at the time we were doing a lot of digital marketing. Basically digital marketing is all that we've done at Launchpeer to grow our company. Like we don't go to a ton of networking events or sponsor things or like do the things that traditional agencies do. Most of our business comes from digital marketing, like paid ads, mm -hmm. some content marketing, stuff like that. And so we were getting traffic coming to our website or checking us out, which was great. Um, and so what we decided to do when I had the idea of if I was an entrepreneur, like I think my customer would want this, which that, that thing was putting pricing on our website. It was, okay, well, let me try that and let's see if my customers want this by seeing if anyone buys it. Yeah. And that's, that's a great way to, to listen to your customers. Any of these changes that you make to your website or to your pricing or the value proposition that you have they're really easy changes to make. Yeah. Like there was a time during that three to four month period that our pricing on our website probably changed like a dozen times. <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't because we knew what we were doing. That's because we admitted we had no idea what we were <laughs> right. doing. And we just, we decided, okay, let's put this pricing on the website and see if it sticks. Okay. Let's change this headline on the website and see if it sticks. Let's change the pricing and make it more expensive or less expensive and see if it sticks. Like that stuff is listening to your customers yeah. because once you do that and you keep iterating and finding something that works, once you find that thing that works because somebody schedules a call with you or somebody chats in and says they want to talk or somebody buys a product that you have or sub subscribes to your SaaS product or whatever it is, that's them telling you that, yes, you're listening to me and I want this. It, that's not an interview. That's not a 30 minute call. That That's none of that. That's literally just doing what you need to do to make your business run the way it's supposed to be yeah. run. And so that's what we did early on was our form of listening to our customers. And we still do this today to a certain extent is hearing how they respond to what we think that they want. 
And that's the thing that separates like really strong businesses from, from other businesses. Even the biggest companies that I've seen, a good example of this is Drift. Um, uh, and they're content machine and everything that they do is just incredible. They just hired more people this last week than we have at our whole company, which is <laughs> insane to me. I know. Um, but one day we'll, one day me and you will be there. Yeah. One of the things that they, they do is they're shipping new products all the time. And I don't know about, I don't know if you're a customer or not, but I've never gotten a, a request to sit down and talk with them. Yeah. Like I've never gotten a, a survey saying what product they should build or what product they shouldn't build. They're just building stuff and seeing if people will use it or buy it or upgrade for it. And if they do, that's great. They'll keep doing it. But if they don't, they're not going to, they're just going to shut it yeah. off, you know? And, and they, they've done that several times now where they've said they were going to do something. They built it, checked to see if people were going to use it. And then they got rid of it. They, they've done that with books. They've done that with guides. They've done that with little features that they wanted to do. And a lot of companies do this, but nobody really talks about it because nobody wants to talk about things not working. Something that didn't work. Yeah. Right. Nobody wants to talk about that. They only want to talk about the things that work. So when you hear like 60 minute interview shows, you're hearing about that. Like for me, you would hear about, oh, we changed our, uh, we put our pricing on our website and it worked and we took off. Right? Yeah. That's what you would hear on most interview shows. You wouldn't hear that we tried to lower the price and raise the price and lower the price. And then we tried to run Facebook ads to it. That didn't work. And we tried to do content marketing and that didn't work. No, you would just hear like the overarching idea of putting pricing on your website and that, and that thing would work. Yeah. But there was a lot of listening to our customers by failing in there that most entrepreneurs don't talk about, but that's what separated us out. And that's what made us successful was trying and failing at a lot of different things but all of that was centered around listening to what our customers wanted. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with that do or die moment, whether it's a failure or whatever it is. I guess maybe partly because I've been there so many times that I feel like a lot of people are there. And what did you do slash what do you recommend someone does when they're in that position where it's like, okay, I can go get a job or I don't know what to do. Like I've got to figure out something else to make this business work. Like they're having to decide, they're having to make that decision. It's a terrible decision to make. And you decided to stick it out and change things and it's, it's worked out. But like, what do you do when you're in that spot? You're out of money. It's the do or die moment. And, or you're going to have to just go back to the workforce. Well, before that happened, so my do or die moment came about 18 months in to the company. Um, and, and I say 18 months to two years because it was all kind of a blur. Yeah. Like at the time, the first year and a half or two of the company, I was, I went from going into an office every single day, you know, making good money to sitting at home, like being a stay at home dad basically for that year and a half because my kids were three and five. My, my oldest was in kindergarten. So I, I stayed home and watched her three. I remember having to like tell him to sit down and watch cartoons and not come out of his room because I was on a sales <laughs> yeah. call like that kind yeah. of thing. You know? um, and like, so that whole year and a half to two years was a real blur. Cause I was working way too much and was just way too focused on these little things. And for anyone who's kind of in that situation where you, you feel like you're not making traction in your business. Like I, I, I talked about this on an episode this last week, read the one thing it's a, it's an awesome book. Um, but during that time, there's a lot of decisions that I, I had to make. And the first thing that I would do when I was trying to make a decision on whether it was actually do or die was, was determined like, is this actually do or die? Like, yeah. cause there's a lot of times that you're not going to, things aren't going to be going well in your company, whether you're 
just starting out or even now, like there's going to be times where we have good sales months and bad sales months. Every business has this. If you're running a SaaS company, you have a month with a lot of churn or the holidays come and no one's signing up. Like it's very easy to get sucked into, man, the business is going to shut down or things aren't going well. I got to let, let people go. Like, but all, a lot of the times I would realize like, that's all in my mind. Yeah. You know, like when, when I'm, I actually sit down and I actually go through the numbers, there are things we could legitimately do to make sure that like, we don't have to let people go. Yeah. Um, or let's say that you do have to let people go. Uh, it's not that I have to fire the whole team. I just have to let one or two people go. Like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, does, is that going to suck? Yeah. I mean, it's going to suck, but is it the end of the world? Like, no, it's not the end of the world, you know? Um, and I think any step backwards for an entrepreneur, sometimes we make it out to be like the end of the world, <laughs> yeah. you know, like when, even to, even today, um, if we have a customer who we're doing marketing for, and then they decide to hire their own marketing people. And so they don't need us anymore. Like initial reaction for me is like, man, that really sucks, you know? And today I'm, I, I treat it much better than I did a few months ago or a year ago or two years ago. Back then I would have freaked out. I'd be like, Oh my God, like a customer's canceling. Yeah. Like this is the end of the world. Like, well, you know, what if another customer cancels and blah, blah, blah. it's like, no, like it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, the only, I can actually do something about this, go get another customer. Or like it's, it's really not going to end the whole world. But when things like that happen and entrepreneurs take a step back, it, we blow it up in our heads to be this thing that it really isn't. And so the first thing I would do for anyone who's thinking they're in like this do or die moment sit down and really put everything into perspective and think, is this really the end of the world? Or is it just like a small step back that every entrepreneur has? And next month, I'm going to take two steps forward. Yeah. And that's exactly what Launchpeer's done over the last three years. Now that do or die moment for me, and I realized it was a do or die moment when I came home and our electricity was shut off for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, And you know, I up until that point... My wife had been very involved in the business. She's my co-founder. So obviously she was involved, but I've always been the one that kind of took care of all of our household finances and all of that stuff. Well, at that time, like it was easier for me to kind of keep everything away from yeah. her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Like, yeah, we didn't have a great month, but like everything's going to be okay. And and that's what I was saying to her. But internally I was like, I knew I was full of crap. Yeah. Like I felt like everything was going to explode, but I didn't need her worrying because that was just going to make me worry more. Right. Well, that that's when like, I couldn't keep the charade up anymore. Yeah. Like you come home on a weekend and the electricity shut off. And obviously the electric company is like impossible to get a hold of on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So uh, I was like, okay, I can't hide this anymore. Like, okay. The company's not doing well. I have to do something about yeah. it. And even, even at that point, could I have continued on the path that we were on? Sure. Like it wasn't a do or die moment where like, you know, even at that point, worst case scenario that would have happened is I would have missed another bill. Okay. Or I would have had to miss a different bill and pay our electric bill and pay a different bill. You know what right. I mean? Um, and there's a lot of things I could have done to just kind of keep kind of chugging along. But I think every entrepreneur, especially if you have other people relying on you, like me and you, your wife, kids, like if you have other people relying on you, at some point it becomes less about you and more about those people. Right. Like, did my kids deserve that? Like, no, like, and I grew up homeless and I grew up poor. 
And I didn't want my kids to feel that way ever. And luckily they were only three and five. They had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Really. I mean, they kind of knew that it was really, really hot in the house and that they couldn't <laughs> play video games, but yeah. that was really about it. Um, and so for me, that was a do or die moment for me, but it was more about do or die emotionally, not do or die, like actual, like really real world. Like there was no, it was not like I was going to get yeah. kicked out onto the street and have to live on the street, you know? But so like, what did you, how did it affect you? Like, what did you do? in that moment. Yeah. I mean, at the moment I felt terrible. Um, because my, that was like a huge, at the moment I felt terrible. And then once it was out in the open that the company wasn't doing well and I could, I told my wife like, yeah, like we're having a really hard time right now paying bills. And so I had, then it was kind of a relief. Yeah. Like I don't have to kind of keep the charade up anymore. Like this is what's actually happening. Um, and once the barricades were down and everyone kind of knew what was going on now in the family. It, it made me come to the realization that, okay, I can't just keep going along this path anymore. Yeah. You know, like when the, when you're keeping the charade up, it's easy to just keep chugging along because there's nothing else to do. Like you can't just pivot or do something crazy because then everyone would know something was wrong. Yeah. You know, like if she knew that I was throwing out the entire brand and starting over from scratch, she would have known no she would have known something was wrong right. and, I, and that's the last thing i wanted her to feel was that something was wrong at that point at that point is that when you did the whole rebrand and everything when i said uh what did you do in that moment when it's like okay electricity's turned off again we're not making the money that we need to make like business wise was that when all the rebranding stuff happened like what did you do then to basically make more money yeah i mean i did two things at that point i got desperate um and so i sat down and made it made a pretty black and white decision. Um, the decision was I am going to, I have nothing to lose now. The company's not doing well anyway. Yeah. Uh, we got to do something. So I'm just going to throw literally everything out that we've been doing up until this point, all the branding, the way that we've been doing business. I'm just going to get rid of all of it. I'm just going to start over. Um, and I have nothing to lose because on the other hand, the other decision was I'm going to go back to work. Right. Like I had, I had updated my resume. I, uh, like <laughs> yeah. made launch peer look in more of a good light than <laughs> yeah. probably it was at right. the time, you know? Um, and just, you know, got all that stuff polished up. And so simultaneous, simultaneously for that next week, I was doing two things. I spent part of my day sending my resume to companies, applying to jobs. And I spent the other half of my time, um, rebranding and like, basically trying to build the company that I should have been building from the day I started the company. I did both of those things at the same time. It was a really weird feeling like doing that. And I know that to a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like, Oh, well you had one foot out the door. Like that's not what you're supposed to do. It's like, yeah, that's just something Gary Vaynerchuk people say, you know I mean? It's like, that's when you have a, a wife and kids who need to put, you need to put food on the table for them you as a husband or as a wife with kids, like whatever situation you're with people relying on you, you better do anything in your power to make sure that you're taking care of those people. Yeah. And so with me, it was like, okay, yeah, sure. I have one foot out the door. I'm going to start applying for jobs and seeing what happens if anyone bites, but I, I'm not going to completely give up. And I'm going to see if this crazy thing that I, at the time, I really honestly didn't think it was going to work. I, that's why I thought it was crazy because no one had done it. At that point, all of the mentors who I had up until that point said, don't work with startups. They don't have any money. There's no way this is going to work. Like you're, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And so I was making a crazy decision while simultaneously making the safe decision. So they kind of balanced each other out, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, 
And so that whole week, like I was spent doing both of these things. For me, I got lucky and the business started doing better before I got a call back from any company. I remember three months after we like really took off and, and we were in the midst of going from the four of us to 12 people and we were getting a new office and all these things were happening. I remember getting a call from one of these companies who I applied to saying right. like, yeah, we have that product manager <laughs> job open. Like, do you want it? And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, now nah, I'm right. good. You know, which felt really good at the time yeah. um, to be able to turn it down. Be like, no, the company's doing like, I'm doing great. I don't need this anymore. Um, but I, I don't regret doing that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't regret having one foot out the door at all because it, it very easily could have been an insane decision. Like it, it could have just been like, yeah, they're right. This isn't going to work. And I think when we hear stories of entrepreneurs who are successful, we we have, um, I think it's called confirmation bias, yeah. where we see that Gary Vaynerchuk became successful by doing all these live videos or Instagram videos or posting on social media. And so we assume that every entrepreneur should be doing that to be successful. Well, the thing is you don't see the the million people behind Gary Vaynerchuk who tried to do exactly the same thing. They just didn't get lucky. Right. That's it. Like a, a lot of entrepreneurship is seriously, it's, it's about luck yeah. and you need luck to be successful as an entrepreneur. We're, we're writing a book right now uh, at launch peer and we'll talk about this later, but uh, called launch recipes, which basically profiles like 40 unicorn startups, the tactics they used at the earliest stages to get traction. And literally every single one got lucky somehow. Yeah. Like it's, it's so common because for a lot of these companies, it's not just about being smart. It's not about being strategic or about getting the right people on board. It It is all of those things, but it is also having a little dash of luck mixed in with it. Yeah. Um, every entrepreneur needs that. And for me, I got lucky, but I was doing the things I needed to do in order to get lucky. Right. Like if I wasn't doing the things I needed to do, that luck could have came and I wouldn't have been prepared to capitalize right. on it. And so for me and for any entrepreneur listening to this, one of these days as you're working long weekends, uh, you're working long weeks, long hours, like you're really putting the grind in and you feel exhausted and you feel like you're not going anywhere, just know that you're not just putting that work in for right now. You're putting that work in. So when the opportunity to be lucky comes along that you can capitalize on it. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree more is it being, being prepared for when sort of the lightning strikes is one of the best, if not only ways to be successful, but this book you're talking about, when do you plan on publishing that? Yeah. So it's going to be a physical book. Uh, we're going to give it away for free. People just have to pay for shipping. So um, but it's a physical book. Uh, we've been working on it for the, like the last couple of months now. Uh, this is actually the first time we're talking about it. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, uh, but it's called Launch Recipes and the team has already almost finished writing it. I think we'll be done with the actual writing of the book next week. So we're going to be putting it in print. We expect to ship the first copies at the end of November, uh, just in time for Christmas. So everybody can get their Christmas reading in. You can ignore your family members and relatives <laughs> at the holiday dinner nice. by telling them you're trying to learn how to grow your company. Yeah. Um, and if you go to launchrecipes.com, it's basically, it's kind of funny. It's like a cookbook of how these startups grew. So ever the whole book is outlined like, uh, the Uber recipe or the Airbnb recipe or the Instagram recipe. It's, it's really interesting, uh, take on how startups grew. And we we're writing the book really because we hear about all of these growth tactics from these really big companies and guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and these people. And I, I think for our ideal customer, what they really want to know is 
how did these companies get their first 10 customers yeah. or their first hundred customers? Like they didn't do it by just content marketing. Right. Like that's just, it, that's not what they did. They did a lot of things that were unscalable. They did some things that were scalable. They did some SE. Like I want to know boots on the ground, like who was doing it, what exactly they did to do it and what things can I take from whatever they did to implement in my own startup that I can actually use. Like I can't go put in, I can't do what Gary Vaynerchuk does and record like a million hours of live video every day. Or I can't do what Drift does and produce 50 blog posts a week and tons of lead magnets and stuff like that. But but maybe I could do what they did when they were just two people yeah. to get to their first 20 customers. I can actually do something like that. Um, and so that's what the book is about is to help people figure out what the top unicorn startups did to get their first initial customers. And so we're going to be outlining all that stuff in the book. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea for a book, man. I'm excited to uh, excited to check it out. And so people can go to launchrecipes.com and and sign up to be notified when it's uh, ready. Yep, you'll be able to join the wait list. Um, and for it's first come, first serve. So whoever joins the wait list first, you'll be the first person to get the book in the mail. So uh, cool. go ahead and go to launchrecipes.com and sign up. Cool, man. Well, it was, it was good talking to you. I feel like this was a great alternate episode here to learn a little bit more about you and launch peer and maybe we'll try it again at 200 i don't know we'll see but <laughs> oh we're gonna get to that 200 you're not getting rid of me that fast so uh we're gonna get to 200 and uh, yeah we'll definitely do it again i think it would be really cool thanks for listening to this episode of launch chat Recently, our team has wanted to put together a community of founders just like you, and that's exactly what we're doing. If you head over to launchpeer.club, you can join our free Facebook group with founders trying to build, launch, and scale their tech startups. You're going to get personal help from our team at Launchpeer. We're going to be doing regular Facebook Lives and trainings that are only going to be available in the group. So if you're interested, head over to launchpeer.club to join. And if you haven't already, go over to iTunes or whatever podcast host that you listen on and give us a rating or review. It helps us spread the word about the podcast. And the more founders who listen to this, the more questions that we'll get. And again, thanks for listening. Thank you.